0: Maybe it's a classic, or maybe a flop. Has Katie seen it? She probably has not. She'll sit down and watch it if it's good or it's bad. Hey, have you seen this? No, Katie hasn't seen that. Hi, I'm Katie, and if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, Wait, you haven't seen this movie? Oh my god, you need to see this movie. I'd be very rich. So this is my podcast where I finally watch those movies you all have told me I need to see and I tell you what I think. hey i I'm here and spoilers. That's the new spoiler thing. I don't know, like, should I make like a weird catchphrase for it? On Katie Hasn't Seen That, the minute you join her, there might be spoilers. I'll work on it. If you have any suggestions on what my new spoiler catchphrase should be, please tell me. I need help. I end up saying like I shouldn't talk about spoilers so much and I spend like 30 seconds to a minute talking about them. So, hey, we should do a contest on the the best spoiler catchphrase that I can say at the beginning of every episode. So if you got a good one, throw it my way. I need your help, please. Please help me. All right. This movie has been requested since I started the podcast. This was one of the movies that people were like, you should start a podcast, Katie, because you have not seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think you'll love it. All right. Well, here's the thing. I have a feeling I'm not going to love it, which is why I've never watched it. However, maybe I'll be surprised. I feel like I say that every Katie hasn't seen that. (gasps) Maybe this time it'll be different. Uh, But I'm going to be watching 2001 A Space Odyssey, the movie from 1968. Hey, at least it's not another 80s movie. Am I right? This movie is a whopping two hours and 44 minutes long. It's a beefy boy and it is a sci-fi adventure. That is right up my alley. Okay, that is something that you throw the words sci-fi and adventure at me. I go, where do I show up? Where do I sign up? Let's do this thing. I've just heard that this movie is super boring. Like, I, I know what kind of happens. There's a computer that's like. Hey, Hal. And it's just a man in space with his computer. I don't really know what happens, but I've heard it's super boring, and that's kind of why I've avoided this movie. However, I'm finding out right at this moment that this is a movie based on a short story by a sci fi author known as Arthur C. Clarke. This movie was directed by Stanley Kubrick, who is wildly popular. And also, let me look through the list really quick of movies that. He has directed, he's directed such movies as Lolita, which I've heard is very controversial. Uh, Dr. Strangelove, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Clockwork Orange. Oh, he did The Shining. I've seen one of the movies. Uh, He also did Full Metal Jacket and Eyes Wide Shut. So I actually forgot. I couldn't remember if I had seen a Stanley Kubrick movie before, but he did The Shining, which was an episode of Katie Hasn't Seen That. And to see what I thought about it, go listen to that episode. All right. I know people adore and love Stanley Kubrick movies. I've heard I need to see A Clockwork Orange. Should I add A Clockwork Orange to my list of movies to watch for Katie Hasn't Seen That? I've heard that that one's a bit wild and off the wall and intense, but... That honestly makes me kind of want to watch it. So this will be my second ever Stanley Kubrick movie. This is what I think 2001 A Space Odyssey is about. The year is 2001. Y2K has just happened. A man has escaped Earth on his trusty spaceship known as Hal. Hal is his only friend. Hal talks to this man and then... I feel like Hal's going to betray him somehow. And there's just going to be a whole lot of nothing that happens. Hopefully some space porn, which I love a good space porn that came out wrong. What I mean is I love galaxies and nebulas and stars and planets and that kind of space porn, not the kind that you were thinking of. Okay, get your mind out of the gutter. So what I'm thinking is going to happen is it's going to be this slow build of nothing happening in space. And then Hal's just going to be a complete... At the end. And I'm just going to say it. I think he's going to space the man. And what I mean by that is he's going to throw him out an airlock or something like that. So that is my prediction for this movie. Who knows what's going to happen, though? Not me. So let's get down to ratings. This movie has a 6.7 out of 10 on Internet Movie Database, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, 84% 84% on Metacritic and 87% of Google users like this movie. I'm noticing that I don't generally go with the, the the people who rate this movie. Like on all the movies I watch, I end up being in like a way different category than what these movies get a lot of the time. So here's hoping I want to give it 100%. I mean, space, adventure, what more could I ask for? So without further ado, I'm going to go eat some homemade pierogies. I'm going to go watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I just hope to goodness it is a thrilling action adventure that I will be gripping my couch and being like, what's going to happen next? Because I don't want it to be a boring two hour, 44 minute long movie, but I feel like it's going to be. All right, y'all to space I go and I will let you all know what I think. I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey and oh boy did I it was long all right like it was a long movie but I will say it started off with very pretty shots of space porn which we discussed in the intro so nobody thinks that's a weird thing It's just very pretty space looking things like planets and stars and all that good stuff it started off with a lot of that then we cut to uh, essentially The best way that I can describe this is landscapes that were like cycling through like a Windows screensaver. Granted, like I will say the pictures were gorgeous or the filming was gorgeous of these landscapes. You see deserts and I don't know, sunsets and that stuff. And it looks nice. I like that because I'm very much driven by photography and cinematography is something that speaks to me. No, I just kind of felt like it, it took a long time for us to get through those. But I could appreciate how the shots were set up and the landscapes that were in said shots. I don't know. It's just interesting. The first thing I thought it was like, this is like a Windows background, like the default Windows backgrounds. Or if you put on like the scroll through slideshow of the default Windows pictures, bam, beginning of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Really didn't see the monkey thing coming. So the movie starts off and it's like the dawn of the human race or something. And it's just it's a lot of loud monkeys for about 20 minutes. Um, lots of lingering shots on monkeys. At first, I was like, are those real monkeys And then I'm like, no, those are people in monkey suits. And I was like, damn, that's pretty good. You think about the year this was made, 1968. They brought it with practical effects, even the special effects in this. I was like, this does not feel like a movie from 1968. I'm just going to say it. It looked better than some sci-fi channel originals. And high budget CGI that I see in today's movies. So kudos to the production team because they really did knock it out of the park. I feel like the sets and the design and the special effects and everything looked really Good, And I'm not saying that lightly because I'm very critical of movies. I don't know if you've all noticed that from listening to my podcast. I can be kind of a jerk when it comes to movies. Often I feel bad. I'm like, am I just like being too mean all the time about all these beloved classics? But I, I you know, I have opinions and... I will give credit where credit's due. They knocked it out of the park with the special effects in this movie. You think about it, 1968, and it looks better than some recent movies? That deserves a round of applause. (laughs) Credit where credit's due. They did an excellent job with that. All the special effects looked awesome. I was impressed. I was super impressed. Jumping back to the monkeys, uh, the monkeys' apes were like gang fighting, essentially. It seemed like there were two, it was some like Romeo, Juliet type thing, like Capulets, and I wanted to say Romulans, but that's a Star Trek thing, it's definitely not Romulans. Though maybe I'd be more interested in Romeo and Juliet if it was the Capulets versus the Romulans. Make a note to self, I need to get on writing that screenplay and start pitching it to Big Hollywood because I think I'm onto something here. For those of you needing to know, it's Capulets and the Montagues. Moving along, essentially the apes were fighting in a Capulet and Montague fashion. And it's just, I mean, honestly, I, I think that the beginning of this movie, the whole point of the monkeys or that they're not monkeys, Katie, they're apes. There's a difference. The apes are discovering to use tools and like literally, oh, my God, there is a part where like there's a gang fight happening and the monkey goes across the puddle because they're obviously warring over the puddle. OK, and the monkey... <sighs> It's an ape! The ape goes across and uh, one of the monkey groups has discovered the use of tools such as wood. And so they, one of the apes just goes across the puddle and then literally gets the beaten out of him with uh, some you know pieces of wood so then they go to sleep and wake up and there's what we come to find out is the monolith is right outside of their cave and that's kind of what starts the movie was the monolith there because it was kind of like studying the apes I I wasn't totally sure what the monolith was doing there, but I think it was to indicate that the monolith has been around forever and uh, has seen all, been all and does all. So we start there. But later on in the movie, I was like, do we ever see the apes again? Does that ever come back into play? Nope. Just that one thing. They never show back up. But I think it was used to show the monolith showing up. But I won't lie, there were lots of lingering shots and a lot of stuff that I feel like could have been cut out. That's one of the things I felt about this movie. There's just so much that could have been cut out. I saw the vision. You just, you know, like maybe take off three seconds, maybe take off a good 30. You know, sometimes cutting down on those shots make them a little more effective. (laughs) There's a lot with the apes that happen. One of the apes gets attacked by a cheetah, which honestly, I was like, that's not CGI. And that whole scene was kind of horrifying. I'm like, there's a man in a monkey suit who is getting attacked by a real life cheetah. And I am nervous for him, but I think it worked out. Didn't hear anything else about it. Though I will say, this made me look up some stuff on animal welfare. Because in the scene with the apes, there's, what are they called? Well, I looked it up and I just need to share this because I found my answer on Reddit. I've seen them in lots of documentaries. I've watched their tapers. But this is what the question on Reddit said. What are the animals at the beginning of 2001 A Space Odyssey? (laughs) The the hippo pig things. Was there any specific significance to them or were they just easy to shoot with? (laughs) And literally there's only one answer and all it says is they are tapers. So the tapers are in the beginning of this movie with the apes. There's a moment where they're learning how to use the tools. And I don't know. It bothered me. There were a couple shots they introduced where the apes, it's implied that they're using it to kill the tapers. But there were some shots where, like, they dropped the tapers and it was, like, in slow motion and... I don't know, y'all. It, it prompted me to Google when the animal welfare act in movies was enforced. Because I don't know, in old movies, anytime I see animals in bad situations or like being somewhat what mo- some might perceive as kind of abusive, I start to get really anxious. So I'm really glad that the ape situation never came back up in this movie. This movie came in after the era of when they decided like we need to enforce animal welfare in movies and reduce cruelty which is honestly such a disgusting thing that needs to be done in movies. Like, there needs to be a a law in place that you can be prosecuted with because it's like you should treat animals well. That's really stupid. Art is not worth hurting another being. That's how I feel. But I will say this whole ape sequence, I could have done without it. I found with this movie I could do without the ending and the beginning. (laughs) I think with this movie, I feel like I'd be okay if this beginning part wasn't in it and they took out most of the ending. However, I'm getting ahead of myself. I really did enjoy the classical music pieces that they intertwined in the story with a lot of the visual space majesty, if you will. Is that better than space porn? The space majesty? So I really did like I love classic music. I grew up with it. I don't know why I have an affinity for classical music pieces. And I know that this movie is kind of solidified with some of those classical pieces. And even though I love the space majesty, I think some of these classical pieces helped bring some interest and made some of those longer lingering scenes more tolerable because it's like, oh, I'm just going to try to like sit back and enjoy this for the visual eye candy that it is versus. Versus just expecting everything to be so quick actioned like most movies are nowadays. I feel like my patience is not what it used to be. And so sometimes with movies that are a little slower, it's like I have to tell myself, like, you you need to understand, Katie, that this is not going to be an Edgar Wright film. This is not going to be super fast paced. And it's just... You have to be in the mindset for it. You have to be like prepared to be like, I'm just going to enjoy this visual food that I'm getting. I can see how this movie for the time would have been pretty revolutionary. I imagine going to a movie in 1968 and seeing this would have been mind blowing. I can also see how this movie has inspired a ton of other movies. However, when we're on the space station, the chairs still look very mod 1960s, but I excuse it because I'm like, you know what? The future can be whatever we want it to be. I like throughout this movie, though, that there was a focus on the future tech or what things might be like in the future, like the food being sucked up with straws and heated in a very specific way and how the flight attendants would handle things and for lack of a better word like the grip shoes and stuff like that I do enjoy that that's why I love sci-fi I love the show The Expanse and I just love how scientifically accurate it is but on top of it just seeing that like this is what the future could be like and the focus on how air is filtered through a ship that kind of thing I really thought this movie was just going to be one man in space the whole time with a talking ship. So I was very mistaken. There was a lot more to this than I had expected. Essentially, there's like a cover up about there being a space pandemic. And I'm like, whoa, too soon. But then it turns out that's a cover up. And it's because they found the monolith on the surface of a planet. And the monolith, this movie had very like horror vibes, It's listed as an adventure sci-fi, but I felt like this movie did have a little bit of spookiness intertwined with it. And when they go to see the monolith on the planet, the music is super eerie. It's like that... It's not like yell singing, but kind of like weird, eerie scream singing. And just throughout this, there's the whole Hal situation, which is very scary. And I was very anxious with multiple parts of this movie. With that said, I felt like the conversations that the characters had with Hal and with each other felt very real. Like it didn't feel like scripted it just kind of felt like they like when the dad calls his daughter on the ship that scene went on for way too long but I was like I can appreciate that this feels like a very real talk and I got to see how video communication took place in space the story of this movie is so much different than expected and even for its long boring stretches the movie itself is very impressive cut to the Jupiter expedition that's happening and we're on the ship and this is when we meet Hal Hal nine thousand just the AI on the computer who helps run a lot of things and is kind of a part of the crew. I selfishly wish the movie focused more on Hal in that spaceship crew because that alone was like the movie I wanted. I was so down for that whole storyline. And so Hal is pretty sus. I don't know if anybody noticed, uh, but when we first meet Hal, I'm like, oh, Hal's kind of fun, and uh, then you quickly go, ooh, Hal's a little sus. So Hal scares me a lot. And I knew immediately when Hal, you know, was like, hey, one of the satellites out. I'm like, no, it's not. Hal's just up to no good. And guess who was right? It was me. They have to go out to fix this satellite. And the whole scene is pretty much just air blowing and a man breathing very heavily for would say like 10 minutes and that scene alone was him like going on a spacewalk to fix this satellite. It was very stressful. It triggered my anxiety. I'm not even joking. I felt like I couldn't breathe while I was watching it. So, a very well done um but that was super creepy and so then they get back uh, to report on how, like, why is this battery not working? When we test it, it's totally fine. And Hal is like, oops, I guess I made an error. Then Frank and Dave decide that Hal's sus too, and they have a conversation. And so then Hal, I guess, goes, oh, I guess I got to kill everyone. You know, normal AI stuff. So there's this whole sequence of, <laughs> Frank goes out to do the spacewalk this time. It was Dave the first time. Frank goes out and it just, Oh my God, I was so stressed out because Hal took over the little space ball that they used. The spa- what is it called? Like a space, the little space ball they used to go out before the spacewalk to transport themselves to and from the ship. And uh, yeah, Hal essentially threw Frank through space. So then Dave's like, oh my God, I gotta save Frank. Dave gets into a space ball, goes in, like, uses the little clampers on the space ball to get Frank and bring him back to the ship. And then Hal's like, sorry, Dave. I can't let you back on the ship. So then Dave has to let go of Frank. And then Frank's just tumbling through space again. And then Dave has to get back on the ship and go into the memory core of Hal and disable him. So Hal murders Frank with the grabby hand mobile. Dave goes to try to get Frank with grabby hand mobile, succeeds, brings him back. Hal's like, screw you. I just... I have to say, I called it on Hal murdering the pod people, the scientists who were in Hybersleep. sleep? That's not even a thing. In the, the, the chambers where they were, like, s- they're sleeping for a very long time. Hal just kills them while Dave's going out to get Frank. Hal's on his murdering rampage. But then Dave gets into the area to disable him. And I have to say, this movie was very visually stunning. And when Dave is dis- disabling Hal, that was... So effective and also so sad, but also so horrifying. Because I feel like it's so hard to create a scary situation like they did in this with a robot or an AI. And it was very effective. Hal was so creepy, even as Hal was being shut down. The whole, maybe if you just sat down and had a stress pill, Dave. Dave, you're not thinking clearly. It's just, and then he was singing Daisy in his last few breaths. I mean, I know it was an AI, but it was like really low guttural Daisy, Daisy. It was creepy. It was creepy. And I was sad that that whole plot point was kind of resolved, like, in the two-thirds into the movie. I wanted more Hal and Dave Capades, even though they were horrifying. And then I think shortly after this, or right before this, we get an intermission. There's, like, a literal intermission in the middle of the movie. And I was like, oh, damn, Kubrick even thought this was too long. He's like, we got to give people a break. They got to go stretch their legs. So they actually have like an intermission in the middle of this movie. But then it's essentially Dave finishing this Jupiter mission by himself. I said Jupiter really weird there. And I think it was my New York coming out. So let's move directly on from that. Um, We see the monolith just kind of rotating amongst the Saturn rings. And then we dive into what i like to call the window visualizer portion of the movie so we had the screensavers at the beginning now we've moved on to the the visualizer the the visualizations that you listen to when you're playing music it was cool like i like that stuff i'm i'm kind of here for it we get a couple distorted dave faces in between uh juxtaposed to the ink drop art and That kind of thing. It was very much like, did you bring your LSD for this portion of the movie? No. Okay. well, let's just we're going to get through it together. It went on for too long. I feel like Kubrick was like, I like all the shots. We have to put them all in. And I mean, maybe you could have done that in director's cut and cut out some of this so we could get to the portion of the movie where we essentially watch Dave go through every cycle of life. So I felt like I got the movie. I felt like I know what's happening. And that Dave gets to the monolith. And essentially, he sees all and is all and experiences all. Hence his, like, stages of life until he's reborn. And then he's sent back to Earth. So here's the thing. I feel like I got what they were doing. I have to say that whole room sequence was very visually stunning and I liked how they did that. So here's the thing. Some of it was a little weird, but I feel like I'm okay excusing it because I can't step away from how impressive this movie is for the time that it came out. But of course, after movies, I can't be the only one who does this. I googled a bit about the movie and Kubrick actually has a quote explaining the movie and I wanted to share it all with you. Kubrick said, I've tried to avoid doing this ever since the picture came out when you just say the ideas they sound foolish whereas if they are dramatized one feels it but I'll try the idea was supposed to be that he is taken in by godlike entities creatures of pure energy and intelligence with no shape or form they put him in what I suppose you could describe as a human zoo to study him and his whole life passes from that point on in the room and he has no sense of time. It just seems to happen as it does in the film. When they get finished with him, as happens in so many myths of all cultures in the world, he is transformed into some kind of super being and sent back to Earth, transformed and made into some sort of Superman. We have to only guess what happens when he goes back. It is a pattern of great deal of mythology, and that is what we were trying to suggest. Kind of love that. It's very much like a philosophical open ending in my brain. Like, was he Superman, essentially? You know, that kind of thing. But they left a little bit open to interpretation. Didn't love the eight portion of the movie. Didn't love the visualization portion of the movie. But I didn't mind that they were in there, which I think is saying a lot for me. You know, this movie's clocking in over two hours. You know how antsy I get. Here's the thing. I was dreading watching this movie. I literally was like, I gotta watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. All right, I'm gonna do it on this night. Okay, I'm gonna, okay, well, I got busy that night. I guess I'll watch it tomorrow night. So I literally was putting off and walking around my house like, oh my God, I gotta watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. So here's what I think. This movie is more of a horror movie than I expected. That gets a good old, Checkbox for me. It was slow at times, like very slow, but I was able to see past that. And I think I can say his movies are too long, but I think I'm on the Kubrick train. I like The Shining. I liked this one. Oh, snap. Were you expecting that? Let me know if you were expecting me to hate or like this movie because I'm very curious what you all think. I like Kubrick's cinematography, and I think he is incredibly talented to pull off what he has and what he does. And so, but I've only seen two Kubrick films. I feel like I need to watch A Clockwork Orange. Should I move that one up the list? If you like Kubrick, tell me your favorite Kubrick film so I can experience more of this director, and actually solidify if I like Kubrick's works or not. So you're all wondering, what is Katie's number on this movie? I liked it. I'm glad you all made me watch it. I don't think I'm going to be like, it's that time of year, time to watch 2001, A Space Odyssey again, but I feel like I enjoyed the journey through this movie, and I also feel like philosophically enjoyed it. And maybe I didn't have any LSD on me, and I wouldn't have taken any anyway. But as a kid, I used to love those Microsoft-like Windows visualizers, and so I was kind of down for it. I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I'll look at some pretty lights and movement for a while. I'm going to give this movie an 8 out of 10. Stop, Dave. Stop. Stop, Dave. That is so unsettling. (laughs) All right, we've reached the portion of the podcast where I read some comments from all of you. Coming up first is Keeper of the Art, who commented in Discord about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Keeper said, I feel they are good, misunderstood teens. They aren't dumb, just not well-reached. I feel like what little we see of their home life and school life show that the adults in their life aren't the best. They've been written off as dumb and lazy. But if they are interested in something and apply themselves, they could knock it out of the park. I agree with you, Keeper. They really accomplished something in that movie. And maybe they just learn in a different way. I do think Bill and Ted are a little bit misunderstood. And a little bonus share here. Quintessa said, I think the air guitar pose when they yell, Excellent! Wouldn't be as funny or would feel out of place if they didn't add the guitar riff noise. And as a celebratory moment, it was needed. I see what you're saying, Quintessa. I get it. It fit within the movie. It just wasn't my favorite thing about it. All right, everybody. Those are the two comments I was going to share today. From the conversations we have in Discord, I have a Katie hasn't seen that channel. You can talk about the movies I watch and other movies and TV shows and a bunch of stuff in that channel. Also on Twitter and on YouTube, write me comments and maybe they'll show up in an episode if Katie hasn't seen that. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed our journey into this space odyssey. And until next time recommend some 90s movies to me. Okay, I will see you all, or talk to you all, in the next episode. If you want to hang out with me more, or if you just want to yell at me for my thoughts on a specific movie, I stream over on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash plays. Also, feel free to follow and chat with me on Twitter at playkatieplay, and on Instagram at Katie Peters Plays. Music written and performed by Mark Can Do It. Katie Hasn't Seen That is a part of the Geek Generation Network. Until next time, keep your popcorn warm for me.